Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1332. <laughs> I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today's episode is entitled, and I am exceptionally proud of this, a Vige Called Wanda. Oh, some of your best work. <laughs> Our podcast title is Bippity Pottity Boo. Because <laughs> I figure that's the kind of incantation you'd want to use since it's a, a Disney production now, mm-hmm. WandaVision. You know, why not? In fact, I, I declare that is the only magical incantation we should ever hear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Or is that the the Marvel Conjuring universe? I'm not quite sure. Mm. As you can probably guess, we are going to talk about the Disney Plus series WandaVision. Yes, time to dig in. Mm, Which has completed its initial season. Perhaps its only season, but I don't know about that. Big question mark on that one, yeah. Yeah, and it's dropped all of its nine episodes, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go full spoiler, folks. Mm Mm-hmm. Prepare yourselves. It's been about a week, and we figure you'll have seen it if you like the descent. If not, then run away. Yeah. (laughs) We've warned you because we want to chat about it. There's a lot to talk about, and I think it'll be best if we can go full spoiler. So that's your warning. We'll we'll mention it a couple of times throughout. But, uh, yeah, if you don't want to hear anything, uh, maybe turn the dial down. Or just wiggle your nose or put your arms together and blink or any of those other magical (laughs) gestures that they use. Now, the Scarlet Witch, of who the Wanda part of WandaVision is supposedly about, Mm -hmm. created originally by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and the Vision, created by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. Now, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, obviously Marvel comics we're talking about. She first appeared in the X-Men issue number four in 1964 and then later on evolved as many of those earlier characters did, appeared across all sorts of different titles, become a member of the Avengers and went on into history thereafter. In 1975, she married another Avenger, the android Vision. Now, Vision was a completely different kind of superhero, a synthetic being, basically. Sometimes they call him a a synthesoid, which makes him sound like something you play music on. (laughs) And he was originally built by Ultron. So you will know that from the movie Age of Ultron, so that actually tracks quite well there. Vision turned against the evil Ultron and later became an Avenger, marrying the Scarlet Witch. He's also been in the uh, the team, the Defenders, too. Now, 
Mm-hmm. Originally, the vision was created from a copy of the Human Torch,、oh. and this was another synthetic man.、Mm-hmm. So we have actually seen the Human Torch, not the Johnny Storm version, but the World War Two version in a cylinder、mm-hmm. in Captain America: The First Avenger at the Stark Expo.、Mm-hmm. So you know, there's this long bow there, but I don't know if they've actually gone there for this. Particular incarnation of the Vision. Anyway, we all know from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that the Vision was created by Ultron, but informed by the brain patterns of Tony Stark, Bruce Banner. <laughs> There's trouble just to start with. Science Bros. <laughs> yeah, and also Jarvis,、mm. the artificial intelligence that Tony Stark created to run his house and his various suits of armor. And of course, they were played by Paul Bettany. Yeah, Paul Bettany <laughs> goes from a voice role to co-starring in his own show. I mean, what an arc! That is the story arc of the century. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of sounds, I should let you know that the zero G theme today was bracketed by Cradle of Filths, a Scarlet Witch lit the season、mm-hmm. from their Damnation and a Day album, and Wonder Vision. <laughs> the theme music from the second episode of that particular sitcom trope that they were doing, and it was by Kristen Anderson and Lopez and Robert Lopez. So, yeah, they really lean into the music there in Wonder Vision. A lot of the、um, background music is also done by Christoph Beck、oh, from、yes. the yeah from the、uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. All right, so we're giving you a bit of background on Vision and Wanda Maximov. So to the series itself, which is called Wanda Vision, it's really happening, folks. That the Marvel Television has now morphed into the Disney Plus channel, and this is the first of their original series,、mm-hmm. the flagship of their new pandemic kind of proof series, because they don't have to go onto the big screen. Where you risk、mm-hmm. getting shut down and locked down and stuff. Well, just a quick take on it. Wow, <laughs> I second that wholeheartedly. It was far exceeded my expectations. It's exquisite, and what a what an ending with a bang! I have to say. I mean, I've got a lot to say, but just yeah, top line thoughts. Incredible. All right. Well, let's have a track from it. There's lots of music to be had from this one because they put it all up on iTunes. So, excellent. At least eight soundtracks, maybe nine. I think maybe they might have been still putting the ninth one up at the moment because、mm. if you read through titles, you get spoilers sometimes.、Yeah. And today's episode of Zero G, as we're talking about WandaVision, we are talking about the whole series,、mm-hmm. and all the spoilers are there. So. You know, you might want to magic yourself into another dimension if you don't want to hear details of Wonder Vision. So, it's really happening. Is the track name here? Hello, this is Bobcat Goldthwait, and you're listening to Three Triple R FM Melbourne. Really happening. <laughs> Christoph Beck, one of the many bits of music from the Wonder Vision soundtrack. The at least eight original soundtrack albums kicking around at the moment. Geez, they're quick. <laughs> They are very quick. All right, Wonder Vision on Disney Plus is set three weeks after the events of Avengers Endgame, and the episodes do really lean into that at one stage, where we get to see the results of the 
snap that brought everybody back, mm. which is to say, yeah, the, the Infinity Gauntlet snap. Here we are, Wanda Maximoff and Vision are seemingly living in a town called Westview, which I'm pretty sure is in the same county as Pleasantville. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Or the Marvel Comics version of Pleasant Hill. So there's lots of things that they're riffing off there, including the uh, Marvel Comics House of M story arc. It's all set up rather like one of those spoof episodes of Supernatural where the brothers Winchester go off into a television land or something Mm. like that. But in this case, it's decade by decade. So many of the episodes, not all of them, they haven't stuck with the trope all the way through, Mm. have echoed tropes from American sitcoms of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as far Mm. as I could work out. Yeah. And the reason for this was, and here comes the spoilers, folks, is that when she was a little girl, Wanda Maximov, when she was trapped with her brother Pietro in Sokovia, events that were detailed in the Age of Ultron movie, they used to watch American sitcoms on DVD in order to study the English language. Mm -hmm. So they sat on what was supposed to have been the safe couch in that sort of cradle of protection Mm. in your own home when it all went horribly wrong and they were attacked and there was a, a bomb with Stark Industries name on it that sat in front of them while they were uh, while they were imprisoned essentially with the bodies of their dead parents and it never went off never killed them but that put them in the mood for avenging themselves against the Avengers and Tony Stark we all know that didn't quite work out for Ultron, and they ended up becoming, well, at least Wanda ended up becoming an Avenger herself. Not so for poor old Pietro, who was killed in the MCU, at least. Just one of the big losses that Wanda has suffered. We really dig into her past with loss and grief, and that's a pretty big thread throughout this, and it's fleshed out more than it was in the main movie MCU as well. Mm. Do you remember, as we've been talking about this over the past weeks or so since it started, I did say that I really hoped that this whole thing was being energised entirely by Wanda Mm. and there wasn't going to be a a big bad show up who's been manipulating the whole thing. I was pretty right there. There are two other players in this whole mix, Mm. but they're sort of parasites, yeah, they're a little bit of a red herring, really, and the the whole kind of metaphor for Westview and the safety of a community, and you know the the warm memories that you hold on to, and all of that about Wanda and kind of what her psyche is going through. You were quite right, Rob, that it was very much coming from a place of pain inside Wanda, and it wasn't just some you know external force that was making all this happen, which I like is a much more fleshed out answer than just. It was, you know, blah, and he's malicious because of X, Y, Z reason. It was much more nuanced. Well, as you remember, Wanda was one of the characters who got snapped. Yes. Mm-mm-mm. Heartbreakingly <laughs> after yeah. v- losing vision and then, yeah, she herself. Well, not just losing vision. She had to destroy vision. Yeah. And then and- it was reversed and then she had to watch him be killed by Thanos, which is, you know, double loss in a short period of time. And in her grief, when she returned from non-existence after being snapped for five years, and this is an interesting point here, she was a a child of the Infinity Stone herself, or at Mm. least an Infinity Stone, as was her brother and the Vision as well. I'm wondering, or I'm wondering, (laughs) 
did Wanda have any consciousness, any awareness during that five years while she was supposed to be in limbo? It would be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm. She certainly got massive post-traumatic stress. Mm. Absolutely, and definitely not processing a lot of those events I think, you know, it's one of those last straw things. She comes back from the snap, sees what, you know, all that she's lost. And we really didn't take any beats to focus on that in the films. But then we have this whole beautiful series that just is from the first episode to the ninth takes us on such a journey that we do actually get to unpack that in a much deeper way. And that's something that I think, I mean, imagine getting that opportunity. I think that's so cool that they made this this series. Well, I was considering that it was International Women's Day last week, and well done, Megan, for your solo show. (laughs) The idea of focusing so strongly upon one woman's trauma, I thought that was that was sterling, really. Mm -hmm. And she she's such a beautiful actor. I think both her and Paul Bettany and their chemistry together. This is also part of what makes it work, and I think she has that good mixture of vulnerability and strength that makes, you know, Wanda's character and even Vision, we don't get a lot of them in the films. They're not focused on, they're not in the centre there. They're kind of, you know, pushed to the side, to be quite honest, and we'll get a couple of scenes with them and then we find out they're in a relationship and so on. But but here they're the focus and to take two very kind of, thinly fleshed out characters and then give these actors a chance to just bring this full love story and history and confusion. And it was so brilliant. I really think that it's amazing that we got to see uh, a lot more about these characters after Infinity War. And I'm so grateful for that. You know what? Because they're so clever at working in things down the track in the Mm. MCU. I really wonder how much of that they planned beforehand. Well, I mean, it's it's not a bad notion because if you think about how we felt a little bit shortchanged by Black Widow as well, like that at the end of Avengers, but, you know, we do get this whole, well, we'll get this whole movie about Natasha, Black Widow, and so maybe it is that they're, they're saying, okay, look, we know we, they didn't get their full time on court <laughs> during the main series, we do have stories for them and here they are. Same Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, let's focus on these side characters. And if they do all of those shows like this to this quality, I'm in. I mean, I'm in it. I'm in anyway, <laughs> but I'm even more in. It's very meta, actually, when you think about it, because that's what they do with the comic books. They'll introduce a character like the Scarlet Witch in, say, the Avengers or the X-Men or something like that. And then later on, they might get their own title. Yes, and then they'll spin them off into a series and give them a bit more backstory and things. You're quite right. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm full of praise for Elizabeth Olsen playing Wanda. She has just uh, embraced this role and completely made it her own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to the extent that now I actually can't think of anybody else playing Wanda. Absolutely. And the same with Paul as the Vision. Now, what she's actually done, Elizabeth Olsen, she's she's clearly channeling all of these other sitcom heroines like Mary Tyler Moore, uh, Elizabeth Montgomery, and Lucille Ball, mm-hmm. and Paul Bettany. Well, he's kind of doing Dick Van Dyke and Hugh Laurie and all those sorts of things. 
But if you put them all together in those classic sitcoms that they've they've done, I've seen so many of the different tropes in there. They've got I Love Lucy and Family Ties. Mm. And there was a chunk that very much reminded me of Desperate Housewives as well. Mm-mm. There's, you know, sitcom eras from my childhood. I definitely recognize things like Step by Step and Full House and things like that. And even, you know, it's a little bit later, Malcolm in the Middle, there's a definite kind of play off of that cut to camera and things like that. So they know their tropes and they did them so well in this show. I think whoever, when they planned each episode and how the sitcom was going to work, they kind of got a mishmash and then just executed it beautifully. And these guys were so good at stepping into those roles too. Because Wanda herself, to express her grief, she was channeling these sitcoms that she's seen as a, as a kid mm. and going back to that safe place yeah. and creating a haven for her and her conception and materialization of the vision as her husband and even children too, mm, mm. You know, all manifestations of Wanda's chaos magic. Yeah, yeah. It ended up being so heartbreaking. So if you oh. kind of describe what the show is and – and you know, it's, it's kind of sounds a bit silly. And, but honestly, the last episode, I was ugly. Cry- I was crying, sobbing. <laughs> it really, and I just felt like, man, they've really made a great story for these two characters and for these actors to get to play. And yeah, ugly crying. I just kind of knew how it was going to, a couple of the scenes were going to end up and I could foresee that. And I was like, oh no, this is going to break me. And it did. It was so emotionally affecting. (laughs) Well, this is an ideal place in sitcom terms to have not a word from our sponsor, but a bit of music from our sponsor. One of the many commercials inserted into WandaVision, all of which had deliberate significance. Yes because they all had something to do with the MCU and Wanda's past. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is for the Toast Mate 2000, Ooh. an atomic toaster, I believe, <laughs> <laughs> produced by none other than Stark Industries. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the dialogue to go with it, but it will do your toast. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Crumbs. I feel like my... <laughs> My toast has been well and truly buttered by the Stark Industries Toastmate 2000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd actually want to run a radiation detector over any toast that came out of something that Tony or his totally. dad had, had created like that. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, Christoph Beck and another track from WandaVision. Wow. Okay. Well, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, just total gold there or perhaps red and green or purple and green and um and scarlet and <laughs> just thinking <laughs> part of the episode is that we actually get to see their comic book costumes yeah yeah very well placed in there that's a pretty big episode actually that one yep yeah that's a halloween one and i thought that was a great callback and and such a cool way of showing why original comic book costumes don't always work <laughs> and then, of course, we do because we are talking a very spoiler-filled WandaVision today, so just as a warning. But then, of course, we do get to see the shiny new version of Wanda's outfit, which is pretty cool in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. easily cinematic quality there, I thought. And, you know, just the makeup that they do on Vision, 
on, on Paul Bettany. It's just an incredible job, that. Must be silicon prosthetics, but phew, mm. they, are, they know their stuff there. Totally convincing. But then again, he's supposed to be a synthesoid, so, you know, it doesn't actually have to look real. <laughs> All right, so moving on to some of the other characters. Now, we said that in our spoiler-filled talk that mm-hmm. Wanda was essentially dealing with her own trauma, and this is the way she copes. My God, they really need some superhero counsellors out there. Absolutely. I mean, she's been pushing down grief about her parents, about everything for years, and then now, yeah, I, I think she she needed support. <laughs> the woman just needed support. Yeah. But there were two other factions involved in this parasitizing off of this huge cauldron of interdimensional infinity stone powered mm-hmm. magic we'll call it but it's mm-hmm. really you know it's this just this huge sort of science and thing yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's overtaken the town of westview and wanda's created her own sort of nest there a safe place to live with her husband i'm making air quotes there which is exactly what the vision can do when he flies and her and her two children but the whole thing about this is it's attracted a bit of attention. Yes. As it would, I mean, a giant hex with yeah. people inside that's emulating old sitcoms. People are going to be attracted to that. And transmitting it too, if you, if you listen to the right frequency and watch it. And this is indeed being done by the government organization SWORD, uh, which is kind of a, a bit like S.H.I.E.L.D., but a bit more spacey. Yes. If I may put it that way. And it has attracted the attention of Monica Rambeau, the daughter of Air Force pilot Maria Rambeau, who we met in the Captain Marvel movie. And she was a little girl who was looking up to Carol Danvers. Yeah. And she, of course, will become a hero called Photon one day. And that was the call sign that her mother had in the Air Force. Oh, if you nice. remember. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Played by Tiona Paris. Mm, she's great in this. Mm. She's actually one of those higher, further, faster, more actresses. She's on the way up. Working with her is Randall Park playing Jimmy Wu, an FBI agent mm-hmm. who's working for S.W.O.R.D. We've seen him before in the, the Ant-Man movies. I think both of them, actually. He was the parole officer for Scott Lang in Ant-Man. And now he's yeah. in the FBI. Well, he's <laughs> yeah. moved up quickly. <laughs> Yeah. We also had, and this was just such a beautiful cameo, Kat Dennings. I thought when she popped up, I was like, Rob will be pleased because she's such a great character. She's, of course, from Thor originally, and uh, she's an astrophysicist, I guess, as well, and I was so pleased she was involved. We should call it Dr. Darcy. Exactly. Let's not, you know, relegate her to sidekick. No, no, she's definitely kicking frontwards now. (laughs) They form a lovely partnership, her and and Jimmy, and I think their chemistry and a bit of comic timing as well does help make those sword scenes less stuffy and serious too. I think they bring a little bit of, um, you know, humour and down-to-earthness to what could be pretty boring governmental scenes if handled incorrectly. And the nice thing about um, Kat Dennings playing this, another great thing, is, of course, that she herself is a sitcom staple in that Two Broke Girls series. Of course, yes. 
<laughs> which, I, you know, in terms of guilty pleasures, I've actually watched more than one episode of that show. Oh, easy watching for sure. <laughs> it does seem to be. I don't know why. Mm. It, it's got a lot of things about it that's totally obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> And yet it's one of those shows if I'm walking past the telly and the telly's on, or actually it would probably not work if the telly was off, but you never know. You never know. Low stakes. It's low stakes, good fun. I don't think she'll ever become actually a superhero, but, hey, she's in there. When you need her, she's there. And there's Josh Stamberg playing Swords acting director Tyler Haywood, Mm -hmm. and he himself is clearly suffering from post-snap. I'm trying to count the snaps. Post-snap, snap. Is there free snap? I don't know. Anyway, post-snap trauma himself because he was not snapped into non-existence by Thanos. He lived through that whole five-year hiatus where half of all living creatures in the universe would disappear, and it's marked him. But his way of coping is actually, when you think about it, maybe less toxic than Wanda's. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Wanda's one is pretty toxic. It is. She enslaved an entire town. Not intentionally, I suppose, would be the thing. But whereas he makes a lot of decisions that are evil. Well, not evil, but misguided. She turned them into meat puppets. <laughs> True. You know. <laughs> so, but anyway, he's too overzealous, Director Haywood. You know, to the extent of he's quite happy to knock off Wanda if he can. Mm-hmm. using whatever means necessary. And mm-hmm. he also wants to power up the remains of the real vision mm-hmm. and use him as the world's greatest sentient weapon. I mean, come on. That is never going to end well. <laughs> I just. <laughs> but you can see where he's coming from. This is the, the, the thing about some Marvel villains as such. You know, this terrible, terrible event overtook the world. Mm. And all they had were the superheroes to save them, and they mm. did. Mm. But for five long years, they did not. Yeah, true, true. As Nick Fury did in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, he endorsed an extreme solution, those flying helicarriers that could kill threats before they actually did anything. Mm. You know, So I can see where this is coming from. I don't condone it. Mm-mm. Clearly a prat idea. <laughs> Well, you know, keeper of the bees, <laughs> beekeeper. Oh, yeah. And that caused so much controversy when we saw it, watching it in WandaVision. At one stage, one of the sword operatives makes his way into Westview mm-hmm. wearing a full hazmat suit because they didn't know what they were dealing with when they passed through Wanda's magical barrier that's isolating the town. And when he gets into Westview, everything that passes through there gets transformed visually into something that fits Wanda's sitcom tropes. So in this case, when he climbed out of a sewer, he appeared as a beekeeper. Now, that's actually really a deep cut because beekeepers in the Marvel comics are usually people working for the Advanced Idea Mechanics organization. And Mm -hmm. they actually wear yellow costumes that look very much like beekeeper costumes. Mm -hmm. So deep. (laughs) (laughs) So let's have a bit of a track here called Beekeeper, and it's very, very sinister. Hello, this is Peter Davison. I played the Fifth Doctor. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Interesting. This thing is small on the inside than it is on the outside. Sorry, mustache. Well, there we go. Beekeeper, Christoph Beck from the WandaVision soundtrack, from one of the many soundtrack albums. 
Look, we've talked about the two main characters, Wanda and Vision, and we've also talked about S.W.O.R.D., the organisation that was trying to figure out what was going on and also to exploit it mm-hmm. in and around the sitcom that was Westview. <laughs> Other people were drawn to this, dare I say, hellmouth, interdimensional magic energy. Yes, because we are, of course, talking with spoilers about WandaVision. So just to preface that here and have another mention of that. So we're going to move into some of my favourite revelations. Boy, they really did push into little bits and pieces from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this and also from the comic books too. So, okay, S.W.O.R.D. was one of the parasites. Mm-hmm. The other one was Agnes Harkness, or to say her name in comic book form, Agatha Harkness. Now, she's a witch, basically, but an older school witch. But in MCU terms, they're all really pulling energy from another dimension. Mm-hmm. Whether they use structured incantations along with hand-waving or mm. infinity stones or whatever, they're all being powered by this portal-fed energy. Mm-hmm. But in the comic books, it was enlisted by the Fantastic Four to look after Sue Storm and Reed Richards' son, Franklin Richards, as a babysitter. Oh, okay. Because she had absolute command of these mystic powers mm-hmm. and anybody who could get past her, well, you know. Good luck to them. <laughs> so, yeah, they've resurrected her and here she is as the nosy neighbour. Yes, we get a great reveal of her at the end of, I believe it's episode seven, and uh, we get a little nod to the monsters there when we find out a little bit about what's really been going on behind the scenes. And Catherine Hahn, who plays Agatha Harkness slash Agnes, she's clearly having a ball once she can really lean into this role, which people had kind of twigged early on might be what was going to happen with that character, and they were right. and. Yeah, really just kind of goes into crazy chaos after that. Yes, it's good that you picked up on the Munster music in the theme song because suddenly it's like it was Agatha all along. So they actually composed a theme song for that moment, which, of course, we have here. So we'll give you that. This is Carly Chan, author of The Dark Heavens and Journey to Wudang trilogies, and you're listening to 3 Triple R FM. Oh, Agatha. Oh, Agatha. Misty Dukes there with her Agatha All Along rendition from the WandaVision soundtrack album. (laughs) They didn't just lean into it. They backed into it and hooked it up and drove off with that whole Munsters trope. And, of course, that was one of the underlying themes of the whole WandaVision sitcom. It wasn't just I Love Lucy and Family Ties and so on. It was also the Munsters and Bewitched Mm -hmm. and I Dream of Jeannie and all of the ones that were slightly off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess it's good to mention too that episode with the reveal because we are talking with spoilers, of course. Uh, Those last three episodes are where we get our post credits sequences, which I just saw by accident because I'd left it playing. And then I realized that, yeah, we need to watch all of this for the last three episodes, especially the last episode. We get a little bit of extra info once those credits have stopped. So classic Marvel style. And I was pretty pleased about that. I was just realizing that I wrote down in my notes that the Brady Bunch was another sitcom that they. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with that as some Mm. of the other ones. But I do recall the 
I'm thinking of the production design in this show where they have to cross all these multiple fictional eras. Yeah. So it wasn't just trying to make the show look like the 1960s. It was trying to make it look like the sitcom's idea of the 60s. Yeah, 60s as seen through the TV screen. Mm. This is all reflected in the interior design of the house and the exterior. So at certain stage, you'd get a cocktail bar very prominent in the house, one of those feature rock walls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Split levels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a staircase down from the upper story from where the bedrooms are, I presume, down to the, the ground floor living areas. AstroTurf. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and clearly painted backdrops. Mm, yeah. Outside. Marvellously done. And so too with the furniture and the props and the costumes and, oh. and and hair and makeup. And and the editing and how it's all put together, like the tone for those episodes is pitch perfect, I think. So it's all of those elements plus the opening credits for that episode, plus the general tone and cinematography, the style of acting, but with this dark undercurrent. Mm. Mm. Which pretty much describes the Agnes character as well. Mm-hmm, <laughs> when you think about exactly. It. Because she has to play the nosy neighbour, but who's also quite a good friend mm, yeah. of Vision and Wanda. But she is this evil witch underneath it. But she's actually more complicated than that. She's very, very old. She goes back to the Salem witch trials mm-hmm. in America, back in their own dark days, back in the 17th century. And she has her own trauma as well. Yeah. Yeah, true. And you can see why she's trying to get a handle on this massive influx of power that, that she's never seen the likes of before. Mm-mm. And I guess I can kind of understand that, you know, I've been studying this all my life for centuries and I know how to use this power and then you, this young upstart, just moses along and and contains all this chaos energy and you don't even call yourself a witch or know what to do with all of that. Give it to me. You know, I mean, obviously she's power hungry, but I can kind of see that attitude of like, well, who do you think you are to have all this power? Characters in the MCU who didn't get any training from anyone else. Mm-hmm. She had some experiments done upon her by Hydra, but I don't think they actually did much training. I don't think they knew how to. No, I definitely don't think they would have done that. And and that would be another thing too that's interesting in this series. There are a lot of questions that I had about Wanda's character, like the accent and a few other things. They, they directly reference that here. Like they're very aware in a very meta way about, you know, her position in the MCU and things like that and what people have been confused about and they do incorporate that and I thought that was pretty clever. In some of the cleverest meta nods that I've seen, uh, which we haven't really talked about, the big one of the big things that was kind of a bit of a, a surprise midway through the series, I guess you'd say. So, again, talking with spoilers about WandaVision today and I had heard that in Episode 5 we – get a little bit of a reveal at the end of that episode. And honestly, I screamed. So (laughs) Wanda, of course, opens the door and who should be standing there at her door but Pietro, her brother, who's dead. But it's not MCU Pietro. It's Evan Peters who plays Quicksilver in the X-Men films. So this was kind of the big discussion point 
when that episode came out, everybody was like, there's a cameo and it just totally shook what's going to happen in the MCU and what they're doing with X-Men now that 20th Century Fox is part of Disney and what does this all mean? And it was pretty big moment. I was a little bit disappointed with the direction they went in with that, but I have to say it has been a while since the show has surprised me in such a good way. surprised and delighted me like that because I was just like, what are they doing? This is crazy. I don't think I've been that chuffed (laughs) since the reveal of the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Which which I dearly loved just for the chutzpah of it because it was so funny. (laughs) But this, you know, you could hear all of fandom going, (gasps) It was that, the reveal, because you see the back of his head, they did it perfectly and then... Reveal of face, and yeah, you felt the nerddom just crack open at that moment. <laughs> a, a portal opened. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and then, yeah, of course, that left us wondering what's the deal with Pietro? What is this? How does this all work? And then, of course, later, as we've already talked a little bit about Agnes, we discover she's behind that, and it was kind of there to shake Wanda and so on. But I'm still curious as to whether there's a bigger picture for that kind of casting because that's very deliberate to me for more than just shock value. But I don't really know how they're going to weave that together. They already teased multiversal versions of characters in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm. And they kind of walked it back there. But they also did it in the animated movie you know, the Spider-Verse one, mm. and are probably going to go into that one next. And the Doctor Strange movie is heavily linked into that too, mm. the next mm. one. But I think they wanted to test the water and they found the water is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I think, and I think as well, Evan Peters' Quicksilver in those X-Men movies is a really solid fan favourite. I mean, I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think he did a great Quicksilver. He didn't have much to work with. But Evan Peters' Quicksilver is... It's beautiful. He's a, he's a scene stealer in that. So yeah. I think that also helped with a little bit of that experimentation here. So stay tuned. I'll be interested if they're going to crack into some multiverse stuff, and I really hope they do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. They'd be mad if they if they didn't. Good luck to them. And, of course, the Pietro's uh, resurrection, as it were, it's all about, you know, we, we heard Agnes singing about, and I killed Sparky too. Sparky oh, was yeah. a, a dog. And they have a serious conversation about bringing back that dog. And we've also brought back Vision as well, essentially, twice. Yes. Great conversation about one of my favourite thought experiments. Beautiful scene between the Visions as well in this. I thought that was very, very clever. Ah, the ship of Theseus. Yeah, yeah. It was per- yeah. it was pitch perfect. And I knew about this because I just read about it in the book I covered recently, Love and Other Thought Experiments. So, oh, really? Yeah. The experiment that says if you've got an object that's had all of its component parts or elements replaced, is it the same object? Mm. And Mm. then if you go and build a second object with the parts from the first one, is that second one that object or Mm. are both of them or are neither of them? It's a little bit like the trolley problem in some respects because there's lots of different solutions to it and not necessarily a right one. There's no solutions in some way. But one of the solutions is about four-dimensionalism. Oh, okay. All right. I'll leave that for you to look up yourself. But it means that basically you can take time slices from different points and compare them. But anyway, but I'm just interested in the multiversal implications of that. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. (laughs) 
I know. I mean, they're really cramming a lot into this pretty short season of nine episodes, each mm. probably no longer than 30 minutes or so, but they've really condensed it and it's very well thought out. I think this is a good example of a show that always had a vision, <laughs> but that it was very clearly planned. Well, here's the thing. Wanda created this whole mess basically to escape from the trauma of losing her brother and her husband vision Mm. and all of these other dreadful events, the five years, the civil war with the Avengers and all of these other things, Endgame, of course, because when she came back from the snap, not only was Tony Stark dead, but Captain America was gone. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, everything had completely changed. So she'd lost everything, her family, again. Yeah, her found family gone, her family family gone, her love gone. I mean, I would spin up a crazy town full of a hex and brainwash people if that were me maybe. It's a lot to deal with. And continuing with our spoilers for WandaVision, it all comes down to her having to kill them all off again. Yeah, that's very, very sad. I could tell how that was going to end, that bit with her on that plot of land, and I just, I could feel it coming, and I, it really got me, and I thought that was great. And the moment when her vision says, you'll fix them, I know you'll fix everything, everything but us, oh. and that quiet delivery, and you know, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, I'm so scarred by this now. So, so much for coping, Wanda. (laughs) (laughs) This is consequences here. (laughs) You know, she's inflicted massive trauma upon the citizens of Westview, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everybody else within range. (sighs) She should have got a pet. (laughs) (laughs) She tried to get a pet, Rob. She was killed it. (laughs) She lost a pet. And of course, we get the uh, the end scene, the end mm-hmm. post credits scene number two of mm-hmm. Wanda in what looks to be maybe a, a Savokian cabin somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. taking a guess there, and we see this other vision of Wanda in her full Scarlet Witch outfit, reading from the Book of the Dead, as we'll call it, and you can hear her children calling to her. It makes you wonder if she's planning again. Yeah. Well, she seemed surprised by that, so I wonder how that's all going to play out because I think she's in the Doctor Strange film, the new one, so I would like to see some multidimensional stuff. I want to see some mystical, some magic, maybe some Wanda finally finds a moment of peace and happiness. Uh, Who knows? But what an ending. It It was incredible. It was a lot, but... And it almost cast into into shadow the other post credit scene, which showed Monica Rambeau being invited into space by a Skrull. Yeah, that was pretty cool. To meet an old friend who, of course, would be Captain Marvel. Yeah, exactly. I keep yes. forgetting Captain Marvel was set in the 90s, and so the age thing makes sense. I'm like, what? That doesn't work. Yeah. Magically, she doesn't age or something. So, But, yeah, nice teaser on that as well. Just so stoked by the way this all developed and the way they pulled it off and the yeah. way it landed and and they did seem to cheekily walk some things back but yeah. i'm not sure if they were just teasing us yeah yeah because they do that these guys these women i should say the creator of the the wandavision series is actually a woman mm. 
more power to it in terms of creating a superhero series that is magnificently inflected and complex. And you know what? In its own way, it's every bit the equal of the other superhero show, The Boys. Ah, yeah. Not in as nasty a fashion. (laughs) But quality. But quality. Churse, as they say. So, yeah, I just am knocked out by this show. Do you think that they can even possibly maintain this level of complexity and quality in the rest of the Marvel television shows? I think we know the answer to that. If they can maintain it over 20 films, they can do that. They can do it here. So I I do doff my, my iron helmet and open my visor in tribute to Jacqueline Schaefer the American film director, producer, and screenwriter who's behind this WandaVision series because, wow, (laughs) (laughs) he has jumped from doing some feature films and so on to this, and it's just incredible. That's great. Just go and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) Except now we've spoiled it. We'll have to take it. We'll have to redact your memories. Let's, Let's say hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah. If not, well. <laughs> well, that's about it for Zero G for today. We had plans to talk about some other things today, but they just went bippity boppity boop. All right. So we're going to go out with an appropriate little bit of music from WandaVision, Exit Stage Left, which is just a little bit of a riff. And then we'll segue into Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Bowie track, of course, covered by Rachel Garnier's from her Gone to Glory album. And she's the one who likes to do jazz renditions of Bowie. Oh, I love it. Hmm. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And thank you to Wanda Maximoff, without whose grief we would be... We would be less. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour, and thank you to our podcaster, Kayla Larson. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.